Okay, I'm going to admit, we didn't even try to count. As we started taping this Balmain podcast episode about Olivia Rustong's favorite shows, I realized we never even made an attempt to count how many collections and how many runways he's overseen here at Balmain. So maybe we can just say there's been a lot of them. There's been a whole, whole lot of them. Season after season, Olivia Rustong premieres his latest designs on runways during the four different Paris Fashion Weeks. There's two different weeks for spring-summer designs for men and for women, and then there are two different fashion weeks for fall-winter designs, one for men and one for women. But you know, there's a whole lot more collections than those, of course. In addition to the main fashion weeks, there are two so-called smaller collections that take place between the main Paris fashion weeks. There's the pre-fall and the resort collections for both men and for women. And then... Let's not forget there are many special collaborations and occasional limited edition capsule collections that Balmain puts out every year and which Olivier Ristong oversees. So, you know, after doing it for 10 years, well, the number of collections and the number of runways that Olivier Ristong has overseen, it really, really adds up. Hello, I'm John Gilligan. Today is part of L'Etelier Balmain's four-part series of conversations with Olivier Rustong about his decade of work and accomplishments as the Balmain Creative Director. We are definitely not going to go through each and every one of the many runways and collections he's overseen. Instead, we are planning to concentrate on just the most important presentations that Olivier Rustong has overseen over the past 10 years. Rustang, his design team, and I, we've gone through the many past collections, and we've selected just a handful to talk about today. And if you'd like, there's a link on your podcast description, which will bring you to our podcast webpage, allowing you to see key images and videos from each collection. So it might be nice to scroll through these as you listen to the descriptions and this conversation. I am Olivier Roustin. Welcome to my world. Welcome to my world. Bienvenue à l'atelier Balmain. Bienvenue à l'atelier Balmain. Hey, good morning, Olivier. How are you doing? Hi, John. I'm really good. Thank you. Great. I'm glad we got the chance to talk this morning. This is a conversation that I think you and I have both been looking forward to for a long time. Today's plan is to build upon the theme of the Roustin decade at Balmain, which we started we kicked off in the previous episode, and we're going to continue for the two more episodes after this one. What we're hoping to do today is to have you talk to us a little bit about your favorite Balmain collections. In preparation for this conversation, your team, you and I, we've been reviewing all the many collections of your decade here at Balmain, and you've been able to pick out some of the key collections, key runway moments. And now what we'd like to do is just have you kind of sit back, relax, <laughs> and look at all those images and press clippings that we have spread out in front of you, and some of which will be posted online on the episode's webpage so that listeners can also view them, and just help us understand a little bit about the process of designing these key collections. Maybe you can explain the inspiration behind the collections and perhaps touch a little bit on how you feel now, today, as you look back at these key moments. Yeah, of course. Perfect. So the first collection we're going to start with, I think, was actually your second collection since being named creative director of the house. But in reality, it might best be explained as the first 100% Olivia Ristong collection. 
It's the Fabergé collection that was shown in February 2012 for the Balmain 2012 Fall Collection. And Olivier, it's a beautiful collection. Actually, re-editions of this collection's strongest pieces were recently shown in your retrospective last September. And they made it very clear just how fresh the ideas that this collection's they continue to be. So I kind of see it as I go through these pictures, which are also in front of you. It was a pretty dazzling mix of what could be summed up as sleek luxury and a very young and modern twist on couture. And it's also here where we first begin to really see that very Olivier Ruston touch of very sharp and precise tailoring and styling. Your love for almost military styling. And throughout, it's a very elegant and it's filled with incredible craftsmanship, especially in those pearl-covered and impressively embroidered pieces that were inspired by the famous jewel-covered Easter eggs that Carl Fabergé created in the late 19th and early 20th century. So I don't know if you agree with me on this, but we, I can clearly see the beginning of a new Bauman spirit and silhouette starting to emerge right here in this first Rustan collection. Oh, wait, wait, one more point, sorry. More than anything else, what I love, Olivier, because I've heard the story a few times from you and from others, is the origin story behind this collection. Where the beginning spark of inspiration come from for these designs? Perhaps you could start off talking about this collection with an explanation of what it was that pushed you to design this Fabergé collection for this, which is your first real Rustan runway for Beaumont. Ah, oh, so... You're completely right. This is my favorite collection, one of them. Um, I think there is something really emotional about this collection because it was my first trip to New York when I discovered what we call the Big Apple. No, the, uh, I think I think when I discovered New York, I felt like a kid. You know, I was just like, it was my first trip, my you know, discovering the world and discovering the beauty of the world. And on top of that, I went to that exhibition that I was I was obsessed with, which is, was at Christie's. It was uh, from, I would say, all the clothes and I think all the jewelries from Liz Taylor. And, um, and I went to this Christie's auction and I completely fell in love with that egg, this incredible Fabergé egg. And on top of that, I think the story of that egg is more than than what you think um, when you see the show. It was that gift that Trisha Burton gave to Elizabeth Taylor. So um, I was just, I don't know why, I've always been obsessed with Elizabeth Taylor because I think she was the queen of the glamour, the queen of the timeless, all the looks were iconic. But on top of that, all the jewelry at Christie's fell to me. I was like a kid in a candy shop, you know? <laughs> so. So a bit more expensive candies, obviously. But, um, but I love that so much, you know. And when I saw that egg, I was just like, I want to do an entire collection based on around this egg. Because there were pearls, there was the slickness of the gold, there were stones. There was such a minimalism and maximalism at the same time. The details, the precision, the savoir-faire. So I came back to Paris after a long and incredible, amazing trip in New York. And so, yeah, this collection was based on that trip, that based on the beauty of this egg and starting to create all those 
tons of pearls and velvet and um, canvas cross-stitching. And I love the idea of, at that time, of bringing something really old, so old, and bringing to Paris uh, on the catwalk, on those clothes that were really edgy, the cut were really short, really glamour, really sexy, but still really, really sharp with such an incredible savoir-faire. And there, I think I started my, what they were calling the Balmania, which was like, this is Balmain now. Those girls walking on this runway are fighters with those armor that are basically <laughs> couture armor. And I love this collection because there was as well a softness in the color, a toughness in the in the shapes, and a nostalgia of a history with the, all the incredible Fabergé craftsmanships. And these designs took off. It was immediate. Everyone knew that you had hit on something, that you had created this fresh and appealing mix. Like you said, you were combining nostalgia, modernity, couture, and street. I can still remember so many of these pieces from when they first came down your runway. And then suddenly, we were seeing them everywhere. Everywhere. People grabbed onto this new look and spirit that you were doing, and the reaction seemed really instantaneous, right? Mm, mm, okay, mm, mm. so now as we continue through your collections, the next one also has to do with very early moments. It's another collection that was marking a new beginning for you. It's the collection that you called the Balmain Aventurier. <laughs> it was your first men's runway, which you showed in June 2015. So it was for the spring 2016 men's collection. So, of course, Olivia, you've been doing men's before for the house, but this was your first men's runway moment. Mm -hmm. As I was reviewing the stories in your interviews and the press releases for this collection, I thought it was interesting to note how you explained to the press that you saw this runway as setting off on a new adventure for the house. And I know that men's has grown to be, since that day, very, very important for Obamaan. But back then, at that moment, before all that growth and all that success, you saw yourself as heading down a new road, as getting set for new adventures. And so because of those feelings and that expectation of new adventures and that excitement, you found your inspiration in the great explorers and scientists and adventurers of the late 19th and early 20th century. So as you explained to the press, these were the type of scientists and aristocrats who, unlike the imperialists and the European colonizers at the same time, these were a different sort of men who were heading off onto unknown lands in search of new scientific understanding and new experiences. And as we look at these pictures today, I think, Olivier, I think it's clear that there's so many continuities that we can trace from this very first men's runway to many of the same ideas, cuts, colors, and themes that continue to show up in your men's collections today, so many years later. Mm -hmm. um, I remember like my first men's collection. It's, it was such um, an epic moment because everybody was asking and expecting, okay, we show for like now five years is women's wear. What's gonna what What's gonna be his man? Uh, 
And I remember like the excitement of the world, like just asking and thinking like, what is going to show? And, and it's true, my first collection was, let's say, I'm going to set the tone. And it was The Aventurier. Uh, and you know, I'm obsessed with this song from Indochine in French uh, called Les Aventuriers. I mean, if you watch Wonder Boy, you will see that um, I'm playing this song a lot. But I really love that idea of adventures because I am that kind of guy. You know, I want to discover territories, new cultures. Like, uh, I love that kind of military as well because, I mean, I'm a fighter and I've always been obsessed by the uniforms and the aristocratic that you can see on the military jacket. So I think my man was defining the tone of what's going to be the barman man. He's going to be someone that obviously is going to be really confident. Um, of course, always have a, a glimpse of, um, of military because the color palette, my favorite color palette is khaki, you know, from the khaki to the nudes and to the browns and dark browns. So it was definitely an aventurier with a touch of aristocracy in a modern world. And, and I love that. And I love that all the pieces there, because again, I was showing kind of a couture piece on, on men, which was not something that was, uh, that the industry was uh, doing at that time. Um, and as well, there was, I wanted to, to break a bit, um, the um, image of what is the man in fashion, you know? And I love, I love the idea of, again, breaking boundaries with my men that was really uh, sexy, um, having sometimes really incredible codes of a feminine wardrobe. Um, at the same time, keeping, you know, his masculinity, but, but allowing his femininity to be as strong as his masculinity. And my man, again, is a confident man. So I was defining the tone of what will be the barman man. And on top of that, I never really understood if I sketch for myself or if I sketch for the men that I would love to have as a boyfriend. So this is something I never figured out. You know, Olivia, it's it's really interesting because as as we look at what you show on the runway and then we look at what we see of you in real life and on social media, there's definitely a pretty strong link between the two. I think I think you're one of the few designers who really designs for himself. Or you're somebody who really reflects on how you live and you bring that into your design, however it is you want to see it. You can see so much of you on the runway and there's so much of your Balmain runway silhouette in your life, right? Now, do you, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I think I would say different. I would say there is half of it which would what I would wear, uh, half of what I would love to wear and half where I imagine the partner of my life, I mean, the fantasy being that. So, so my number is <laughs> just a joke. So, Olivia, when I was going through the reviews for this first men's collections to prepare for this conversation, there was a thought that you mentioned a few times to the different reviewers, to the different fashion critics. And you explained to them that one of the motivations for this, your first Balmain men's runway was, and I quote, what do I want to remember five years from now? What do I want to remember about this moment in five years? So now, what is it? Seven years later, okay? What do you remember? We're looking at these photos today. Is it nothing but fantastic memories when you look back at these photos? 
Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great memories. I think my goal always been not to be cool, but to be timeless. I hate this world cool because cool it's it's ephemeral. I love timeless because it's forever. And I think my job in this world is to create something that people would always remember. So in a way, you know, I, I think this collection has been a really strong collection and and um, and part of a timeless and as well against a set a tone, which for me it's the most important. And so and so yes, I feel really proud. Yeah, Olivia, it definitely has shown its strength and it's shown its lasting power. Like right now, looking at these pictures right now with you today, seven years later, yeah. we're looking at these pictures now. And while some of these pieces could have been part of the Balmain menswear show that you had just a few years ago at the hall, the great hall at La Villette here in Paris, there's so many of these pieces that show connections and they show links. You've relying on the same colors, the same cuts, and they continue to look just as modern, just as fresh as your most recent collections that you've made for men. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's a thread. When you create, when you're a designer, you create collection with a thread. And it's important to not break that thread because the moment that you break that thread, it means that you don't have a clear vision and a clear aesthetic of what you have in mind, you know? Um, so for me, it's important that is what is what um we always say like is what i say in my last show like uh, i i close a book and open another one but to make sure that you create a book you need to have different chapters and to create those chapters they need to have a connection between each other so for me every show has a connection from the one from before to the one after and but after you know you close the book and you create a new one so yeah you're right it's important to have a clear vision and to keep your dna uh through the years so let's go on to the next selection and here i think is where we start getting very personal which i guess references a point that we talked about in the previous episode about how you've always been very transparent and very authentic over the years so when you did your first runway at the paris opera which is known here as the opera garnier which you showed in September 2017 for the spring 2018 Women's Collection for Balmain. It was a very personal moment for you, which you made very clear in your note to the fashion press. In that note, you talked about how when you were a 10-year-old kid, your parents had brought you to Paris for the first time in your life from Bordeaux, where you grew up, and how on the last night of that trip, they took you to the Paris Opera, which as most people listening probably already know, it's a very incredible structure. And then when you go inside, it's even more incredible. It's immense. It's filled with marble, with gold, and the most ornate and beautiful designs. And there you were, just this little 10-year-old kid, like any 10-year-old kid, completely blown away by it all, by all that opulence, by all that beauty. And that's why you decided that your press release would take the form of a note to that 10-year-old kid. It was you writing directly to the previous Olivier Ristong during his first visit to Paris as he entered the opera. And in your note, you explained to that former Olivier that you knew that his first visit to the opera would change his life forever, and that because of that visit, he was going to be determined to return to Paris to become a designer and to show his collection of the opera one day. And you ended your note explaining that sometimes, yes, dreams do come true. So Olivier, maybe you could talk about that. Why was this 
collection such a very personal one for you? Um, yeah, you're right. It was such a personal collection because because I think it's one of those moments where you realize that it was not my 10 years, but it was starting to become a strong career with time and moments. So um, I realized that it was time for me to to remember where I come from and to show where I am now, not only to the world, but to myself. Um, you know, it's really, when you create a collection, it's always really personal because it's a process of emotions, it's a process of feelings, of instincts. And I think it was the moment as well when I was um, starting to to shoot my documentary, Wonder Boy, at that time. So um, I realized that I was just like, wow, you're going to present your show at Opéra Garnier, you know? When, when I was 10 years, I was with my parents, blown away by the beauty of Paris, blown away by the gold, blown away by the incredible tapestry, the, the cheminée, like the lights, the marble, the, the immensity, you know, that kind of empire feeling. And one day I was just like, you're going to come back. And, and so, yeah, I think I based this collection saying to, to the Olivier from the time, keep dreaming. You're going to come back. You're going to be strong. It's not going to be easy, but the moment that you're going to be back, you will make sure that you will own it. And it's a full circle in a way. Um, and there I wanted to show the craftsmanship of my of the house, you know, the craftsmanship of my team, making sure that people knows what is Paris and what is Barman. And, you know, always the struggle of me, you know, pretending to be French when I realized that I shouldn't pretend I am French. Um, and part of those battles were definitely saying, I'm a black designer. Again, I come from nowhere, but I'm going to show you that this is the new France. And I wanted to show that at Opera uh, with the savoir-faire of the house, with the, um, the glamour of Barman. And yeah, put those steps there and say, I'm going to own that opera today. <laughs> it's interesting, Olivia, that you use that phrase, uh, the phrase of pretending to be French. Because seriously, Olivier, I can't imagine anyone being more proudly French than you are. And actually for this collection, as I went through the images and the video, I was struck how it's filled with your love of playing with traditional French signatures. For example, there's a lot of plays on the Marinière, that traditional striped sweater from the fishermen on the France's Atlantic coast. And you also played a lot with the power of strong graphics, especially with your take on the torn up wall posters that we all see on the streets of Paris. You know, when the colorful street ads and posters get older and they get torn inside the metro on the sides of the buildings, and that allows us to see the jumble of older postings that preceded them. So you had this very interesting group of graphics that was based on that very familiar Parisian site. So it really was a very French collection, which makes perfect sense. It was being shown in such an essentially French building. Yeah. The Paris Opera House. 
It was taking all the graffitis from the walls of Paris and making them couture. It was the Breton shirts from Serge Gainsbourg slash Dan Birkin from Deauville and La Baule and Saint-Tropez and bringing and just say, this is where uh, I want, this is what I want to show. But again, with that kind of like, those are the codes from Paris. Those are the codes from France. But imagine in a new world. And so... That's why I keep saying when I was young, I was so pretending to be French because I didn't feel French because sometimes French culture can make you feel not French if you don't belong for whatever reason to one kind of aesthetic, one kind of direction, one kind of value, one kind of background. And with this show, it was like almost like taking all the quotes from Paris and of the beauty of the, of the City of Light and bringing to the close and say... I'm going to be more Parisian than you will ever think and more French than you will ever believe. Um, and I think I made it. Yeah, you definitely did. So the next collection we're going to talk about is a break from the previous ones that we've spoken about. It's the designs that you showed in January 2019 for Balmain Spring 2019 Couture. So perhaps we need to start first with a definition. And maybe you can explain to your listeners what distinguishes a couture collection from a more traditional ready-to-wear collection, okay? Also, this was an interesting moment because Balmain, of course, began as a Parisian couture house. But until you decided to show a couture collection in 2019, the house had not shown a couture collection in decades. This collection... Well, this collection was filled with an, a, an unusual mix for couture. There was a lot of soft pastels and denim, and as well as street graphics. And it was, of course, embraced quickly by so many, especially so many big names in the music world, which had to make you really happy to see, because after all, your goal was, as you said, to push for couture for today, for a modern generation. So Olivia, could you speak a little bit about what it is that draws you to couture? And then perhaps more specifically, could you talk about this 2019 Balmain Couture Collection and the process that went into creating this one-of-a-kind collection? Of course. Um, couture is it's much different than ready-to-wear because couture, already you know that the pieces that you're going to create is going to be unique and made to measure. Uh, you have the chance when you work on couture to be the most extravaganza without having any limits, which is incredible when you, you know you can dream <laughs> with no boundaries. I mean, this is the beauty of, of couture. Uh, creating for months and months, taking the time, hours, days, months on one single dress. The pressure of non-thinking of, of um, I would say, uh, an impact business-wise because you just show the beauty of the beauty for the beauty. Uh, and that was just so interesting because Monsieur Balmain had many, many incredible couture uh, shows. Um, some were really classic, some were really more edgy, I would say, or avant-garde. But I think the beauty of his, of his couture was definitely an homage to Paris with the savoir-faire of his team 
and feel like Barman was a laboratory of experiences. So that's what I did with my team. We started to create that couture with all the graffitis of Paris. Uh, I love the idea of bringing that street uh, factor into a couture, glamour, pastel, because the color card was really soft. It was only pastel colors, light blue, light pink, light green. I mean, it was almost like... Um, uh, the Trianon for Marie Antoinette, you know, <laughs> like in a way, or slash la durée. <laughs> uh, again, super French. Um, and I love that collection because I worked in a different way. I worked in a way that I didn't know where we would go because it's so traditional couture. And at that time, I remember when I presented, it was the first, uh, we opened the flagship in Saint-Honoré, where there was a big moment for me because, you know, it's a sign of success when you start to establish barman in Saint-Honoré, which is the street of l'élégance and the luxe parisien. So I was just so happy, you know. And, um, and the day after, I've been killed so much. The critics were insanely bad. <laughs> <And> <laughs> the fashion editors didn't like this couture collection. Yeah, I mean, I got killed. Like, people hated it. I don't know what I've done. Because I think I put a step into a world where they were like, oh my God, now he's going to go there as well. We have enough of him. And let us having our super traditional couture. And I was like, seriously, I'm going to check it out. You know, like I'm going to make sure that guys, you're going to remember me. <laughs> Maybe in a bad way, but still they remember. Um, I, I, I really had bad, bad, bad reviews on that collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was worse than what you're used to? I mean, we've spoken about how the fashion critics were really tough with you when you started out. So were the reviews for this couture collection even worse than those? Oh, my God. I mean, couture, they went on fire more than a year ago with my accident. Like, it was just like, what the... Mm. I, yeah, yeah, they hated it. I remember I got... The worst. They were like, I mean, he's not, he doesn't know to do couture. He knows to do ready to wear. Let's, let's couture to the grand, to the, to the masters. I think sometimes people think couture is only when you're like around like 50 years old and, uh, you know, you have the expertise. Uh, but I think couture can be such an experimental moment. And I love that. I love that. And so the day after, I remember I woke up with all my team and we got the better, the worst reviews which I was like, okay, swallow it and, <laughs> and smile, which I always do. But three days after, no, two days after, I remember we got requests from Beyonce. I remember we request from Juliette Binoche. We got requests from Kylie Jenner. We got requests from Katy Perry. We got requests from um, Bjork. That's right. I can definitely remember all those red cover moments. And even today, I mean, just a short while ago, I saw a piece from this collection on the red carpet. And so people still reach out to wear pieces from that 2019 Couture collection today. Yeah, that's why I think it's, it's, yeah, I think it's... Three years later, yeah. I just think it works. And I just think uh, it takes time for people to understand. And, and again, I don't think I'm always right, you know. I feel like sometimes I really have done bad collection, let's be honest. Like, there are collections that cannot be wow, you know. I mean, and it's human nature, no? Um, but I really believe this one was really amazing. But I think the world was not ready for it. Some people would never be ready for me in couture. But, you know, I think it's part of my... 
I think it's part of the game, you know, to always try to prove to the world that I have my place somewhere. And if you close the doors, I will make sure that I open them. And so I cannot wait to have my second couture show to get killed again. <laughs> so, Olivia, the next collection that we're going to look at, well, it's also very couture in many ways. It continues your theme of Paris inspirations, but in a really distinct and unique way. So back in September 2018, for your spring 2019 Women's Ready to Wear show, you looked to Egypt, but in a really unexpected way. I mean, yes, you played with black and white hieroglyphics, distressed Muslim wraps that made one thing of mummies, and stiffened and pleated organza that referenced the beautiful ancient Egyptian pleated kalasaris. But more than anything else, your Egyptian theme was actually very, very Parisian. And as you explained to the press, the fact that Paris is filled with Egyptian monuments, as well as very modern takes on those monuments, like, you know, the famous glass pyramid at the Louvre courtyard, that was your original inspiration for this collection. And of course, as always, there are plenty of French classic signatures included in this collection. So, Olivier, could you, could you explain a little bit about this Egypt meets Paris theme? And tell us how you brought that unusual theme into your collection, into your runway. Yeah, um, I think sometimes people think that it's kind of schizophrenic, my my vision, and they're like, now it's going to go to Egypt, what, what's happening, and yesterday was at Opera. Uh, I, I, there is a really, again, there is a thread. I just want to remind people, because we are living in a world where I think people, the Parisian, and above all, the, the fashion industry in Paris, has such a narrow-minded vision of what is Paris. And they feel like Parisian is just a Breton shirt and it's just like looking cool with your denim pants and having a coffee at Café Floor, which I love Café Floor, obviously. But I think Paris is not only the 7th, Paris is not only the 16th, and the beauty of Paris is the diversity of Paris. And when I took Egypt, because there is one place that I'm obsessed with, which is Concorde uh, in Paris, and I think people, they don't even know, or at least they completely forget, that incredible obelisk that we have in the middle of Paris, we call that Parisian. But first being Parisian, it's Egyptian, you know? And I think the problem of sometimes Paris is that they kind of have tendency to forget that some incredible art that they have in Louvre are not always Parisian. They belong to Paris, maybe, but some incredible other culture have done it for you. So um, sometimes I think the problem of Paris is that they have a, such a narrow vision of what is Paris. And my vision of Paris is that is the beauty of diversity and culture. Um, and I take the example of Concorde because it's so flamboyant in a way that people need to remember that the beauty of this, the center of that Concorde is this incredible obelisk, which is Egyptian. And, and I love that. I love the beauty of the diversity and bring that kind of obelisk, which for me is couture. It was showing the beauty of, of Paris in my fashion show and saying it's couture and there is a many inspiration of Egyptian because I love Le Louvre as well and there is incredible sculptures and and, and I have to say I've always been before um, um, doing Wonder Boy you know my documentary I always thought that maybe I was Egyptian I mean basically you know Ethiopia and Somalia is not so far but um, I never know I never knew my origin so I thought maybe one day you know I, I mean you know, when I was a kid, I was dreaming of being a pharaon, you know, uh, like many kids, I'm sure. 
but um, so yeah, I think this collection was definitely a couture fashion Parisian slash uh, Egyptian, um, and I love. I remember I did a lot of bondages in this collection uh, in 2018. Uh, if I knew what means bondage, <laughs> I maybe would never have done it. <laughs> uh, but it's kind of cool. I mean, it was an avant-garde moment uh, of before my accident. So kind of cool to... Interesting. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah, interesting. Um, maybe I should maybe start to become what we call Madame Irma. Maybe I, I can see the future. Uh, Let's finger cross. No, um, I love this collection. It was a lot of black and white. I started to to do some, um, like I don't know how you call that those kind of bodies in uh, plaster, like in argile. Uh, a mummy. Like yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, it was it was a really laboratory collection, but it's one of my faves. And you know, when I look at the video, what I love about this collection when you showed it was the spirit that was on the runway that day. And you open it up with Princess Song when doves cry. Oh my God. And you know that opening moment, it was, it was, it was so strong. It was, it was really beautiful. With Cara de la Vine, which is one of my best friends, opening the show with the bustier, with a metal a chest. I love this collection because it was a mix between softness, it was a mix between sculpture, and it was a mix between armor, and all done in a, such a delicate and pastel and soft colors. Um, I really love this collection. And I remember I cried, I think. I, I should stop crying, I think, because I keep telling you I cry. I feel like now, I mean. Um, but yeah, I was crying because it was, it was a really intense collection. It was at uh, Hotel de Ville, actually. Again, a really incredible French... Uh, the, Parisian, the Paris Town Hall, uh, which is gorgeous. Uh, we covered in all white, and it almost feel like a temple, a modern temple. Um, there was a lot of emotion in this show, and, uh, and I think we were... I think it was... I think it was after, maybe, my couture? It was before. I think it was... I think this show was after my... Ah, no, it was before my couture, maybe. It was before. So I was not maybe ready for the... For the bad critics, but <laughs> I was, but I love this show much, and um, and I remember like many people love this show, and has been worn by incredible celebrities, and and again it was a big moment for me. So once again, we're gonna we're gonna be putting this video and all the images of everything that we're talking about on this podcast today on the webpage, so people can look and see what we're describing. This Egyptian collection for spring 2019 was shown in 2018. And it's great to see today how fresh and strong this collection remains. It was a beautiful collection, and Olivia can understand why you list it as one of your favorites. But let's go back. Let's start continuing on through those favorites. The next runway show you picked is what I've been calling the Cracking the Codes collection, which was shown in February 2020, which would be the Balmain Fall 2020 collection. So this was like the last real runway collection before COVID came and changed all our lives. This happened during those old Paris Fashion Week days, when, which were filled with crowds of people watching a runway show without any thoughts about masks, vaccines, and social distancing. It was another very, very personal collection for you. For this collection, Olivia, you began with symbols of class, division, and exclusion. And you thought about what your life had been like as a kid growing up in Bordeaux. 
You mentioned that as a child, you felt like there were limits to where you were allowed to go and where you were not allowed to go. And how you remember still today, that feeling of looking across the divide at what had been unavailable to you as a child. But somehow now as a designer for this collection, you managed to take all of those old-fashioned symbols and signatures of an upper-class world and you twisted them into something that was new and modern and incredibly fresh. Can you explain more about those inspirations and those class signatures and how you managed to put your own particular spin on them? Um, so... This collection, it's, it's really, it's really interesting to me because it was what you say. It was really personal, but as well, at the same time, so global. Because I think I was talking about the bourgeoisie of Bordeaux. Uh, I was talking about that kind of like super class, uh, kind of slash aristocratic, slash doors are closed, slash I want to open them, slash I will open them. Um, and I love, I love this collection because it was inspired by all what I was dreaming of when I was a kid, above all in Bordeaux, because Bordeaux is such a conservative city where, um, it's incredible because it's full of values, Napoleonian bridges, Baroque operas. Uh, Bordeaux is such an incredible, beautiful city, but it's so, it was so conservative. And I remember like, there, I really feel like I really need to pretend to be French because no one made me feel being French or Bordelais except my family. Um, and it's hard when you grow up because you want to make sure that the world belongs to everybody and not just one kind of world, you know, one kind of person. And so I remember at that time, you know, I was... I was walking in the street of Bordeaux when I was young and I was seeing this incredible bourgeoisie that were maybe that would maybe maybe never look at me, you know, and because maybe aesthetically I was not part of the story, or maybe my background would never be part of their story. But all of that together made me a lot of frustrations, and I realized that I want to create my new bourgeoisie, where the door is going to be open, and um, and I think I want to create my new Bordeaux in a way, and I think that's what I did with this collection, which was basically palettes that are brownish because you know at that time like people go to la chasse or they'd have uh, this picnic in the uh, dans les jardins de bordeaux you know that kind of like super posh aristocratic and breaking those rules and say we're going to create our new posh aristocracy where it's going to be much more inclusive than your guys you know and uh, and i think this was this was really interesting. The music of this show was really interesting. And I'm really happy to do this podcast because many people don't know what was the music of this show. Because usually when you want to be French, you play Serge Gainsbourg or you play Brigitte Bardot. And I play Michel Sardou, Jean-Jacques Goldman, Gilbert Montagnier, Emile Image, like the pop super mainstream France that... You know, that's what we call guilty pleasure. And, uh, and I don't want that those pleasures are guilty anymore. If there is one thing that I hate, it's to have a pleasure and feel guilty for it. So, um, and it was a really French, uh, edgy collection. Uh, and again, at that time, I think it was the night of this show. Um, I think um, I had the Nuit des Césars because... Oh, yeah, that's right. So, Olivia, let me interrupt you just for a second, okay? And just for the people who are listening, the night of the César 
is the French version of the Academy Awards. It's the night that awards are given, the Césars are given, for the year's best in French cinema. Yeah, because we were nominated for Wonder Boy, um, and we, oh, unfortunately, we lost. But after I got Netflix, slash, hello. Uh, so it was such an interesting moment because I start to become so French again. And... Um, And it was really interesting because it was just a show where it was based from Bordeaux, uh, music from France, and the night was at La Nuit des Césars. Uh, so, yeah, it was a good memory. And as you say, and you mentioned, it was all that before COVID. And who would ever know that that would happen? Yeah, so just a couple of weeks later, we were all locked away in our apartments, right? So then speaking of COVID... Speaking of this new change world that we all suddenly found ourselves living in, one of the things that you were determined to do, Olivier, for the past two years was to make sure that you kept the spirit of a fashion show alive. You've stressed several times the importance of community and the need to share experiences, which surprised more than a few people because you really are such a digital person. But for you, it was very important to be live, to be personal, to share a creative moment together with the fashion community. So in September 2020, during the fall of the first year of the pandemic here in France, you showed your spring 2021 collection in a beautiful garden here in France, here in Paris, the Jardin des Plantes. And what you did was really, really very clever, Olivier, because since so many people were not going to be able to come to Paris, because of the travel restrictions, but you were determined to include them anyway, you and your Balmain team set up a very distinctive kind of runway. We were, those who weren't attending, we were all very safe and we were all socially distanced. We were seated outside, there were very few people, we were all set very far apart, but still you managed to set up a runway that still included all the editors from across Europe, as well as China, the US, and South America, and many key Balmain army members who could not make it. So Olivia, can you explain how you made this unusual show happen? Uh, um, if you think about it, this show was, to me, so beautiful, but so sad at the same time. Because as you said, when you're all forced apart, when flying was so banal and you realize one day that you cannot fly anymore, that shows that the importance of togetherness. And I think I couldn't do a show without all the incredible people that has been part of my career and supporting me. And on that, I would mention celebrities, top models, journalists, reviewers, families. So I decided to create an entire set with all the screens where we can show from Anna Wintour to Claudia Schiffer to Chris Jenner, Luke Leach, um, Maluma, uh, Asher, like all the people. So yeah, all of them. J-Lo. J-Lo, Cindy Crawford, you know, everybody. Like, so many people that couldn't be with us, but will be part of this show. And it was really interesting. So what you did was to set up dozens and dozens of very large screens. And on those screens, you could see videos playing of all these editors, models, and musicians all these Balmain army members as they were watching and reacting as your runway procession wow. took place in front of them. It was a pretty impressive set. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of production because first, I mean, 
let's mention something. I I I don't know if I can say that, but I play with the devil because I des I I decided on the, in the middle of September to do a show, an open show on the Jardin des Plantes. Thing, uh, crossing my fingers that it will never rain, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, just, also true. Yeah, just saying. So again, again, uh, I took a big risk, but I say to all my team, you know what? What we say in French, je suis né sous une bonne étoile. So I believe that it will never happen. And actually, Ned, it didn't happen. And it was so chilly, and it was just so nice. So people feel really like good because they feel safe uh, with the social distance. And those massive 60 screens was a, as, as well to remind people that technology can help to be together in a way. It's not going to be something that I want to live with forever, but it's something that can help. Technology can help to be together. And I wanted to, to do a, a kind of clan as well. Um, I wanted to show to the world that when we were all forced apart for these two years, social media have been really important. Phone has been incredibly important. FaceTime, Zoom, Skype. Um, and so we, are, we were as well so lucky to have that kind of way to communicate. I was talking with my grandfather one day about that and he was telling me that through the second war, he couldn't even see his families, you know, and he would never know if they were fine or not. Where we were lucky enough, even if... It was a really tough time, and it was a tough time. I'm not saying it was not tough, but the technology helped us to still be connected to each other. And I wanted to show that with my show. But to make it clear, I'm always look up to the future, but I started as well with an homage to Monsieur Pierre Balmain from the past, with the voice of Monsieur Balmain, and bringing incredible models there was Amalia, there was Axel, Barbara, Charlotte, Sonia, and Violetta that were six models um, that were working for the fashion couture in Paris decades, decades ago. And on them, I wanted to present, introduce the monogram of Monsieur Pierre Balmain that he has created in 1970 to show that with technology, I will as well bring the past and making the past relevant today. So um, it was incredible because I work with Olivier Sayard, which uh, choreographed um, all the incredible uh, starting start of the show. And I think it was such an interesting moment because the music was Frank Sinatra. So you see this, those incredible elegant models that were around like 50, 60, actually 60 years old. Um, walking in such a nonchalance and slow motion way and and it was so beautiful you know with the smoke with the darkness of the Jardin des Plantes and music of Frank Sinatra me being seated on the catwalk surrounded by them on the voice of Monsieur Pierre Balmain listening and at one point the light goes down and Screens start to switch on, and there you see the faces of all these incredible screens that no one could see in the audience, you know, at the beginning, because it was so dark that we made sure that no one could see the screens. But when this incredible model left, and me as well, the screen started. 
And so it was this, the interest point of this show. It was like past and future together can be a really great combination. Yeah, definitely. It was such a beautiful beginning for the show. It was like a, almost like a ballet. Yeah. And Olivia Sayard did such an amazing job. For those of you who don't recognize the name, Olivia Sayard is a great fashion historian. He's overseen many, many fashion exhi- exhibitions here for the Paris's leading museums. And this show really stood out due to the incredible collaborations between, well, between the two Olivier's. Mm, mm, mm. So for the next show, again, all of us, we all very much remember that the pandemic seemed to be getting worse and worse. And when you were showing your collection in March 2021, which was the Balmain Fall Collection for 2021, it was a it was a pretty tough time here in Paris. And you and your team, well, you finally had to give in to the reality of the moment that with the new regulations blocking all gatherings and most entries into France, well, for the first time in 75 years, this house simply was not going to be able to present its collection to the press via a runway show. So instead of doing that, you decided to show your collection in an entirely new way. You shot a video for an inspiring collection based on the liberating power of travel. And you shot the collection inside the enormous Air France hangars at Charles de Gaulle Airport, with your models moving purposely across the tarmac and even on top of the wings of those gigantic Air France planes that were parked there. The message of hope and dreams of a better future, well, they were clear to all of us. Could you, Olivier, could you go back to that day and explain a little bit about the inspirations of this collection, which I'm calling the Air Balmain Collection? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, um, it was a collection that was really difficult uh, because we couldn't have audience. And until the last moment, I was hoping that they would open to to make sure we would have a show. But of course it was impossible because of the situation. So um, no audience, which means what we're gonna do. And and I think you know me now enough to understand that when there is a restriction, I always try to make it, to find the positive aspect of it. And so I said, if there is not a show, let's create a movie out of it. Like let's create a real film where we can play with different spaces and and even dream more. Because if you think about it, when you have a fashion show and you have 600 people in the audience, you have you have to do a fashion show, a, a, a classic kind of fashion show, where a runaway, a normal runaway. But if you have no audience, you can maybe do whatever you want. So one day I came back to my team and I said, you know what, guys? I want to do something that people would remember because I know that in the history, in 50 years, in 100 years, you know, the new generation, imagine in 100 years, I'm not going to be here and you neither, but people will know that there was the COVID in that time. So what could we do to make sure that in 100 years, they will say, ah, Balman did that cause of the COVID. So I said, let's do something that people would remember. Uh, we call Air France, and we ask to have access to all the incredible uh, tarmac hangars where they repair the planes, and let's do our fashion show there. And why Air France? Because I wanted to do an homage to flying, because, again, it feels so banal when you have the access of flying whenever you want, but when you can't, uh, there you need to realize that flying is a luxury. And I think my fashion show was definitely saying we get used to that kind of luxury 
But guys, don't forget, we are so lucky when we can have access to, and it's not guaranteed. So I create my collection of, on my clothes were like pilots, uniforms, uh, flying, you are going to the airport. You don't know where you go, but you know you're going. And that was the beauty of that, of that collection. And at one point, in the middle of the process, I say, I want to go to the moon. So I took my flight and I say, let's start to create a spaceship. And, um, and you start from being at Air France, where we shot for one day in incredible tarmacs and different rooms. And the day after, we shot in a CGI uh, in a studio and we recreate a moon. And um, because I think I always dreamed to walk on the moon anyway, I think. But uh, my PRs and my communication director, they told me that maybe it was too expensive to create a show on the moon. So I said, okay, let's fake it. Uh, so we create the moon. Um, and so it was about traveling. It was about escaping. It was about freedom. And it was about dreaming of a future. Mm, yeah. And we're going to put the video and the images from this collection online, obviously. And it, Olivia, it really was beautiful. You can really see the inspiration from the early pioneer pilots designs, how you took the aviator jackets and the great coats and those flight suits and really brought them into the modern era. But also, like you said, more optimistically thinking about future days ahead on the moon. And you had those great, beautiful padded spacesuits and orbit wear. It was such a great theme. And we walk on the wing of a flight. Yes, that looked amazing. And in your video that... It's so beautifully shot. I mean, guys, you should check it because, I mean, I think I don't know who had the chance to walk on the wing of a flight. It's pretty impressive to walk on that wing. It was so huge. And to be honest, I was in the cockpit at one point and I felt like a pilot. Um, I mean, and even the fact that, you know, like, welcome on board. Because I was just like wow, like you are in a flight empty with all the models, everybody. And we were just like having such a great time. Um, it was such a beautiful day. And I think you can feel it in the video that it was such a great upbeat energy. <laughs> yeah, you really can. So. Yeah, there's actually one thing I was going to add about the video. In the video, you can actually see that attitude is as important as the other aspects of the presentation. There's definitely a bold spirit uh, I guess it's because everyone's dressed as pilots and astronauts, but there's kind of a, an assertiveness. It's a very Balmain Parisian attitude, and the way the models are walking through the space, like they own it. Yeah, correct. So, wow, Olivia, that, that is the end. I guess we're finished. How many were there? Eight. So we've gone through your eight key collections of the past 10 years. Olivia, thank you very much for helping us understand more about each of these Balmain offerings. And we'll be talking with you again soon as we continue exploring the key moments of the Rustang decade at Balmain. Thanks very much, Olivier. Thank you.